When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Michael K. Show podcast. Listen live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN. The Michael K. Show. They have made their lineup a formidable foe for any pitcher. Imagine whoever leads off Soto, Stanton, Rizzo. That's pretty good. You can't miss the first inning. You're going to get in the ballpark early. You're going to turn on yes early because Soto is a guy who demands the spotlight. He is that good. Is he the perfect ball player? He's absolutely not the perfect ball player. He's not a good fielder. He's not a great base runner. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He's a great hitter. He's left-handed. He's 25. He doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a lot. He's going to hit and provide protection behind Aaron Judge. And they made their team so much better than the team that was an utter disappointment last year. The Michael K Show on 98.7 ESPN. Who said that the first time? That was brilliant stuff. Wow. Really was. It really, really was. Now, Peter, how how fortunate are we to be able to, to get an ask out there and then have what many consider the greatest guest in the history of sports radio to appear on the show. How lucky are we? How fortunate? Uh, you, you can't be luckier. You can't be, and and neither can our listeners, because you know why? They get a chance now to listen to the great Jeff Passan, our colleague, our friend. Here he is. Hi, Jeff. Uh, Hello, Michael. How are you? Uh, couldn't be better. Could not be better. Um, we're getting some phone calls, Jeff, some pushback. Gee, that's a lot to give up. I don't like the fact that he just has one year left on his deal. Oh, shut up. Shut up. I don't even want to hear that. You got Juan Soto. Be happy for one day, at least. And for every day that you watch this guy, whose numbers are probably like the closest thing we've seen in the last half century at his age to Ted Williams, how about you just enjoy the idea that for 162 games oh this God. year, you are going to see him either in front of or behind Aaron Judge. Like, well, just just take some time and think about that. Everyone you know, in baseball wants Juan Soto, and the New York Yankees have it. How fortunate are Yankees fans today? You gave up no dude. Like, Michael King has, a, like, Michael King has really good stuff. Uh, Michael King has never been a starter for a full season in Major League Baseball. Uh, Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito are back-end guys. Drew Thorpe, uh, I think he's going to be a solid big league pitcher, but not, honestly, like, the upside there, just because of the fastball velocity and lefty's a total outlier, upside there is a front-line front starter. Did you give away innings? Did you give away bulk? Sure. Guess what? The one thing that the Yankees at the minor league level have done really, really well in recent seasons is produce pitching prospects who they can flip somewhere else to get big league players. 
You know, they did it with with Waldichuk. Uh, they they did it to get Ben and Tendi. They like they they have done a very good job of getting minor league pitchers who strike a lot of guys out and whose numbers are gaudy and who they can flip. So if there's one thing they can do, it's produce another Randy Vasquez, another Johnny Brito, and another Drew Thor. I guess it's just uh, you don't know the Yankees who, fans who call the show. <laughs> Michael and I have been doing this for 20 years, Jeff, and do you think they appreciated all the MVP seasons that Alex had when he was here? When he didn't win the championship no. until 2009? No, they want to see the chip. That's the. I agree with you, man. You should be able to enjoy having some of the best players in baseball assembled, but you know this fan base, or maybe you don't, that unless they win a championship at the end, they're going to look at the year as a complete waste of time. Yeah, oh, that's totally fair. And and let me tell you, fans, Juan Soto is going to bring you closer to a championship than any of the players or the players in aggregate who were traded will ever bring you to a championship. And and beyond that, you get a year to try and convince him to stick around and become a New York Yankee for the rest of his career and to go into the Hall of Fame with a New York Yankees logo on his cap. And, and to win another championship, because, by the way, he has won a championship. To win another championship and bring it back to New York for the first time in a decade and a half. And you know what? If I have the opportunity for all of those things, yes, I am not discounting that the price was heavy. right? I think A.J. Preller, the Padres general manager, did a really good job in this trade. He addressed like significant needs that he had. And he did so while shedding money. But he also gave up the best player in the deal. And let me tell you guys, most of the time, the team that gets the best player in the deal gets the better end of the deal. So let's move ahead a year. Uh, Again, it's not the Yankees' concern. They'll take him for one year and deal from there. But do you think that Boris will look at what Otani gets and use that as a benchmark for what Soto is going to start at? Um, no, I think what Otani's going to get is probably going to be even too high for Soto to okay. even consider. Now, if, if, if Soto comes out and puts up an MVP-type season and everybody in New York absolutely falls in love with him and he looks like the, the prototypical Yankee, the guy around whom you want to build this next championship team, and he's hitting free agency guys at 26 years old, that's the big factor why Scott Boris could say, you know what, Otani was out there at 29. He was going into his age 30 season. Juan Soto is as young of a free agent as we've seen since Alex Rodriguez. And Alex Rodriguez, remember, doubled the salary structure when he was in it. Like, the highest contract before that was $126 million. He got $252 million. Um, so could he make the comparison to Otani? Yeah, of course he could. But I don't know that that is particularly reasonable or that that'll have a whole lot of resonance among the teams that would like to sign Soto because Otani's got two things that Soto doesn't. Number one, he pitches and he hits, or he is going to pitch and, and he hits. And number two, it's just a marketing factor. Uh, you know, Otani is an international superstar whose resonance throughout the sport is absolutely unmatched. Uh, Juan Soto's a marketable guy, but it's totally, totally different. You're not going to make, you know, significant amounts of the salary back 
through having Juan Soto on your team like you do when having Otani on your team. Is Verdugo a fit for this team forward, or is he just going to be a piece to try to get more pitching? Uh, I, you know, I don't anticipate him being flipped. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys heard Brian Cashman today, but he yep. said, you know, this is essentially the outfield we plan on going into the season with, but if somebody comes to me and I feel like I can make our team better, of course I'm going to. And that's, a, that, that's what any good general manager does, you know has a plan, executes it, is open-minded about the plan deviating a little bit, but uh, I, I think this is probably the outfield group you're going to see going into 2024. And, look, uh, the Ken Rosenthal raised this in a, in a column yesterday. I think the concerns about Aaron Judge in center field uh, are valid, not because of the quality of his play out there, but... I, you know, I'm at the airport now in Nashville and just ran into a uh, big league outfielder who played both center and the corners for a decade and a half. And I asked him, you know, the, the judge thing came right up, and I asked him how much harder is it to play center field. And he said there's just so much more running. Like, it's, you know, it's the sort of thing he said where I, I hope that Aaron – invests in his body and in his training the same way that LeBron does. Uh, you know, making that an extreme priority because, you know, we're, we're talking about, what, three, four months at minimum where he's going to play center field before Jason Dominguez comes back? Um, I mean, Aaron Judge, uh, you know, size-wise, Aaron Judge and LeBron James are actually pretty damn similar. Um, you know, they're both big, not just tall, but they're big-bodied, big-shouldered, incredibly strong men. And that sort of thing, uh, you know, carrying that over, what, uh, the 100-plus games he's likely to play in center field is a really difficult thing to do without breaking down and while maintaining your offensive prowess as well. Here's what I don't quite – I'm not able to process, Jeff – because I have not heard – there's some bad things that you hear about Verdugo in Boston. I heard that Cora is thrilled that he was traded. If you knew that Trent Grisham was going to be part of the Soto deal, aren't the Yankees better as a team with Trent Grisham, who's a plus-plus defender in center field, and Soto and Judge in the corners rather than putting Verdugo into the mix? I know Verdugo is a better offensive player, but your whole defense is better with Trent Grisham in center. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that, that's, that's not an unreasonable argument. There was also the possibility that the Soto trade doesn't get done. So, uh, bird in hand is, is a reasonable thing to, to consider. And, like, you know, you can, you can flip Verdugo eventually if it comes to that. Um, and, and I think, I think one point that's gotten a little bit lost in all of the excitement over the deal is, the timing of it. I think, you know, Brian Cashman's gotten worn out a lot on, you know, from fans uh, on this program everywhere in the media over the last year or so. I think him getting Soto right now was absolutely brilliant. And let me tell you why. Beyond the, the obvious, yes, of course, it's brilliant to get Juan Soto, but when he got him, um, I think in the next, you know, four or five days, we're going to know where Shohei Otani's landing. And 
if the Toronto Blue Jays don't get Otani, if the Chicago Cubs don't get Otani, if the Los Angeles Angels don't get Otani, all of these teams, maybe less the Angels because they just don't have the prospects, but especially the Cubs and the Blue Jays, they were all going to be in on Soto. And there was a, you know, Giants, throw them into the mix. There was a very reasonable thought that one of these teams could come in if Brian Cashman was driving a hard bargain and wasn't willing up to give up or wasn't willing to give up the pieces that he did, that another team could have come in and just straight up stolen Soto. And so I think it was important to get it done while they did, and I think the price was as hefty as fans think it is because Cashman understood that if he waits around and tries to drive a hard bargain, there's a realistic possibility, even if the Yankees did match up better with the Padres than any other team, that he was going to lose the player. And this is a player you just don't lose when he's within your grasp. What, what did you make, Jeff, of, of Dave Roberts openly talking about the fact that they spoke to Otani? Does that mean they're getting him or do they know they're out? Oh, I think it means he screwed up and wasn't supposed to say anything. <laughs> wow. How, do you, how does that happen? I mean, I say dumb things all the time, like all of us do, you know? Whether it's a brain fart or uh, poor communication, um, you know, uh, between the front office and the manager or a messaging error, whatever it is, it was said. Um, but but here's the thing. Um, it's, it should not be a big deal. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I understand that Otani wants things to be secretive. I get that. Either him or his agents or maybe some combination of the two. I get their desire uh, to keep things quiet. But the notion that teams either have to lie or obfuscate or, or essentially take away from what should be a celebration of a free agency, what should be an opportunity for not just Otani, but for the entire sport to rally around it. Um, you know, I was, I was on with that magazine earlier today, and I said it could be something very simple. If Otani goes to Los Angeles and takes a picture outside of the stadium and puts it on Instagram, what's the reaction going to be? And Pat said it would be on our show be on our show every day at one little picture with a stupid caption and everybody is going to be speculating beyond what they are because the conversation would permeate just baseball right now it's a pretty baseball centric conversation and instead of celebrating Otani and celebrating the game and celebrating this free agency we're talking about a manager saying a fact and a very benign fact is that. And that is just so self-defeating, guys, and so backward and so antithetical yep. to what baseball should be doing right now. Where does uh, Yamamoto end up, and what's the number going to be? I think the number to Yamamoto is going to be a minimum of 250. And on top of the 250, we're talking about a $40 million posting fee. So anything that gets up to like 255, 260, we're going to be talking about a $300 million. Outlet, but when, when you say 250, is, how many years are you talking about? Um, I think seven or eight. Wow. Yeah. I, 
I mean, think about this, Michael. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander got $43 million a year. Like, Yamamoto getting 30, like low 30s is, is not unreasonable at all. I, I think it's, like, it's understandable. If he gets 35, that's understandable. I mean, you know how good he is, right? I, I've yeah. heard, yeah. But, I, again, not every Japanese picture that thing. comes you over you, is yeah, great. You, you don't know. I don't – you know what? I, I understand um, why we think that way because uh, they're pitching in, in a league that, while full of talent, is still inferior overall to, to Major League Baseball. Um, but it, rather than looking at through the lens of this is a guy who's pitched in MTV or this is a Japanese pitcher – I, I want to look at it like this is a guy whose fastball is like 94 to 97 and jumps up to 99, and whose splitter is Sanga quality, whose curveball will be the best right-handed curveball in the big leagues the moment he steps on the field, who throws a very serviceable cutter, uh, and who honestly from day one should be one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball. Like, maybe, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm Maybe I'm buying the hype, right? Right. But it's not just the hype that I'm buying. It's the evaluators who every time they would come back from Japan would text me and say, Yamamoto is absolutely ridiculous. And these are, these are you know, when, when you're getting sent to Japan as a scout, like you're a dude, like you are a high-level evaluator and somebody upon whom the organization is really, really relied to bring back good information because there's just so little of it. You need to get every last wit of information you can. And I haven't heard a single person who saw Yamamoto and came away saying, that guy's overhyped, that guy, nah, I'm not buying. No, all of them. And, and the crazy part about it is, because of his size, I think the predilection for most evaluators is this guy, you know, I don't want to like this guy. Because, because they are taught five foot and you know, 180 pound right-handers are are not guys. They're not you know they're not stars. Uh, there was a five foot ten, 180 pound right-hander though in San Francisco for many years named Tim Lincecum, yeah. and that is the most common comparable that I get talking to evaluators about it, uh, about Yamamoto. Rather, um, he's not Lincecum, but he sure reminds him of him. What will we see the Mets do, if anything? I think they, I mean, it's, it's obvious. They want Yamamoto and FSP telling flew halfway around the world to meet him, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they really weren't in on Otani. And, you know, I don't get the sense that there's going to be a whole lot of big moves necessarily otherwise. Uh, you know, maybe if they miss on Yamamoto, they get it to smell at that point. Uh, you know, good. I don't know how much of a possibility Jordan Montgomery is. I think there are other other clubs that like him better than the Mets do and, and probably are likelier to sign him than the Mets are. Um, you know, we I think we knew this offseason for the Mets wasn't going to be like last offseason. There, there's not going to be this deluge of big signings. And it's sort of like the interns we trust first year right now. Like, you want to go out and sign a bunch of guys who most Mets fans have never heard of? Okay, David, like, go do your thing. Uh, through your winning in Milwaukee, we have uh, nothing, nothing but respect for you and for your ability to put together a ball club. 
but in the back of their heads, every Mets fan is like, please sign a star. Please, pretty please sign a star. Because we need something to, to get excited about after last year was so incredibly uh, disappointing. Jeff, have a safe flight. I, I, I presume you're heading home and enjoy the holidays. Gentlemen, thank you. And if we don't talk uh, before the new year, uh, thanks for everything uh, you do, both for the listeners and myself. Uh, no, oh, that's very and, nice. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's true. You guys are awesome. And uh, I have a great time every time I come on this show. And uh, you guys are the best. You're the best. Thank you, Jeff. See you, boys. All right. Good stuff. So he just, I mean, the beginning, if you if you just joined us, you have to listen to the podcast. I mean, he just struck down anybody who doesn't like this deal yeah. for Soto. I mean, he eviscerated them. Eviscerate. And like he said, at least con- at least give it a couple days, he said, of joy. Well, the, I, I do think there is something to the fact that, you know, can you at least celebrate the fact you got one of the best players in baseball and then, like, settle in maybe next week to, okay, how do we fill out this rotation and how do we look for 2024? But, you know, the Yankee fans' DNA is, is a little bit different than every other fan base in baseball, and in, maybe even sports. But, you know, like, like the conversation we had yesterday is that, you know, fans are going to be thinking about, you know, winning that championship. And this is not the first time that they've landed a great player. Yeah, but don't – I mean, if you want to win the championship, doesn't it help when you get a superstar? So, I mean, you can't play October before you play April, May, June, July, August, and September – so you're going to play those right. months now with one of the great but, players in baseball history. But he kind of had me laugh. And, and, I, and again, to the conversation yesterday, we, we are talking about the very vocal minority of Yankee fans. But, you know, Peter, do we talk during the summer to fans who are just sitting back and appreciating the greatness of their team? Or are they just thinking about, all right, is this going to lead to a championship? I mean, they got to see one of the great performances in the history of baseball two years ago. When Judge was, you know, breaking the American League home run record, and it was okay, we'll now win a championship. So, I I think Jeff is kind of speaking how re- the rest of baseball should look at this deal. But you know, I I understand from having spoken to him for you know twenty five years on sports radio that they think a little bit differently. Again, not all of them, but certainly the the the, the vocal part of the Yankee fan base is excited about this for one reason and one reason only: it's a chance to win a championship. Not to go see a great player play. Uh, well, and, there, I, and think about the fear that exists here, too, because if you don't get the championship in year one, you might lose the guy who you brought right. in to get you the championship. So uh, let me let me give you a what-if scenario. Go ahead. Let's say the Yankees sign Yamamoto, and you heard Jeff just waxing um, poetic about Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. If they sign him. Yeah. They went out and they got Soto, Yamamoto, and Verdugo. Verdugo, to, to me, is an extraneous piece. But they got Soto and Yamamoto. Do you think Yankee fans would be happy with the offseason? Would, would they have anything to complain no. about? Because Yamamoto costs nothing but Hal's money. Yamamoto would, they be, would, be a different would they be cool? See, see, that's the difference. Is that, like, when, when you said about the evil empire, I don't look at them getting Soto as an evil empire move. It's a, it's a shrewd baseball move in which they had the prospects to make the deal. If they swoop in and outbid everybody for Yamamoto, that is the old-school evil empire that the Red Sox were talking about back in the day, that they used their money and their boldness and their big market to go out and get you know the best Japanese free agent we've seen in a long time. Now, that's a different story because that's only money. And what do the fans always talk about? Pay him whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. Get us a champion. That will have a different vibe to it. 
And then you'd have them long term. So uh, the, the Soto thing, you're apprehensive because it just puts even more pressure now to win in 2024 because he's a free agent at the end of the year. But, Michael, you remember how many, how many conversations we had. Alex Rodriguez, Peter, you weren't here. Alex Rodriguez is winning MVPs. He's hitting 50 old But that runs. was after he was but, – but at the beginning there was no negativity when they got him. I because mean, of, yeah, when he was in, winning MVPs and they weren't winning world championships, I got it. Yeah, but they were but, also – not that far removed from winning four championships in five years. Now you fast forward a decade later, and they've only got the one ring in 15 years, and now the fans are like, okay, great, we've seen MVPs. We've seen guys break records. We want to right. see now a team one win thing. a championship. So I've got They didn't appreciate Alex Rodriguez. He was here until he finally won in 2009. He was, the mo- he was a villain here. And the only reason they appreciate him because they don't win without him in 2009. Right, exactly. If but he was then just a passenger, he would have been hated. And you were talking about you know going out there and, and winning MVPs every year. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't care. They would have traded every MVP for a chance at the ring. I mean that that's what's different. So when I, I kind of giggled to myself when Jeff's like, "Sit back and appreciate watching one of the best baseball players that we've seen in a long time play." Yeah, that should be how they should look at it. But that's not how a lot of Yankee fans, at least the ones that call this show, think about the acquisition. They think about the acquisition for one reason. Win but, me a championship. But that doesn't make sense because he hasn't had an opportunity to win a championship yet. You've got to appreciate the fact that this guy is great, and then if he doesn't win a championship after one year, okay, then you could just hose it down and say, oh, it was terrible. And even while Alex was winning MVPs, he was not performing in the postseason. That's why they turned right. on him. But to have that kind of mindset now, you're, you're damaged. Oh, I'm not. Listen, I am not. I'm not agreeing with them. I'm oh, just I saying know. I lived through this, and you live through it. And it, it, it kind of surprises me when, you, when you're surprised by it. I, I'm surprised that they would not embrace this day. No. You got Juan Soto. Worry about tomorrow and tomorrow. Like Jeff said, give it a couple of days. Enjoy it. Light right. up a cigarette. Enjoy it. Right. And, and last Wednesday, we took three successive conver- phone calls from people saying, I don't know about Soto. He's not a great I defender. Think, I think that unhappy people probably just have speed dial and happy well, people because, don't but i also think because of what happened with alex and because of what's happened with with uh jean stanton can't you understand the fan base being all right a little dubious again this is not the first time they've had great players you know come here and that they haven't won yet they didn't win with Stan. They didn't win with Alex until five years down the road, and it was only the one time when it felt like, and I remember the day that they got him was like, oh, it's not about a champion. Peter, we're going to win four or five championships with this guy. You well, know, So that's where I think the damage comes from. I'm going to uh, hold the Mets' feet to the fire when we get back. Okay. We'll see what you think about it. Hey, guys, are you ready to hit a home run with the best Christmas gift for your special someone? Pajamagram's famous naturally nude pajamas will make you a holiday hero. So good that they sell out every single year. Naturally nude pajamas are known for ultimate comfort and style. Soft, silky, better than lingerie with a curved caressing fit. Now, here's the kicker. When you order naturally nude pajamas today, you'll get a free naturally nude nightie. That's a $75 savings on a very luxurious two-in-one complete gift. Better yet, with Pajamagram, you can even add gift packaging. If you ask me, that's one easy holiday gift that is sure to make her happy. Listen, we all know how good it feels to win. Yeah, we do. So why not win this Christmas? Hurry, go to Pajamagram today for naturally nude pajamas before they sell out. That's naturally nude pajamas at pajamagram.com and tell them ESPN New York sent you. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hey, buddy, hey. Catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It doesn't seem like the Mets were in at all on Otani. And and from what I hear, you know, the whispers in the business, he, he, he doesn't really want the East Coast. I guess he looks at Toronto as, as a different aspect. It's not like the East Coast. It's also a dome, so he doesn't have to deal with cold weather. And then you've got the teams in, in California, San Francisco, and the two L.A. teams. But So the Mets weren't in on him. And, and no, no amount of money can ever convince somebody to come somewhere. Right. Like Craig Council, I guess, didn't want to manage the Mets. He, he wanted to be close to Milwaukee, so he signed a big money deal with the Cubs. Cool. Well, Yamamoto seems to have an affinity for the spotlight and says that, you know, I've heard from people, is a real big um, fan of the Yankee legacy and they're, they're striving for greatness and all the championships. He likes that. So he's willing to play in New York. Steve Cohen and David Stearns, his boy Wonder, flew out to Japan for a short like, meeting with Yamamoto. They flew halfway around the world for a short meeting. You tell me, Don LaGreca, longtime Met fan, out of his crib. Right. How do the Mets not come away with Yamamoto. How, how is it possible where the biggest advantage that Steve Cohen has that makes other owners shake in their boots is that there is no money that's too much for him. None. So if you went around the world, halfway around the world to get this guy, and that is your priority, how is it possible that you allow him to go anywhere else? Like if the Yankees offer him $35 million, how do you not go to 40 when you gave an right. old pitcher $43.5 million? How is it possible that Cohen does not secure Yamamoto? Explain that to me. I can't. How can I? You want him? You've got the financial wherewithal. I thought the whole thing about Steve Cohen being here was that he was 
He was going to spend the money. If he needed to spend the money on the right player, he was going to spend the money. That he had the rest of Major League Baseball shaking in their boots, that he was going to spend like a drunken sailor and completely put the economy of baseball out of whack. You want him. You flew halfway around the world to talk to him. How do you get out of it? How? Unless you're know. telling me that you're leaving all of your faith in Stearns, who's your baseball guy, who's going to tell you, listen, I know you want him, but we're getting to the point now where this doesn't make a lot of sense, and he just decides to rely on his baseball people and caves in. But if you want him, and, and, and you're, uh, whether, you, whether you like it or not, Michael, you're competing with the New York Yankees. You're competing for the back pages. You're competing for the opening monologues and sports radio in New York. You have the money. You don't seem to care about the luxury tax. You didn't care about it last year. You're trying to overcome what was a disastrous season last year. You would think that you wouldn't allow yourself to be outbid. And if you're going to allow your baseball people to talk you out of it, well then, all right, that's fine. If that's the way you want to go, well then I guess you're just like any other owner, right? Then The financial power that you have, you're not willing to utilize. Because otherwise, wouldn't you say, all right, I get what you're saying. Uh, I hired you to be a baseball guy, but at this particular point, he's a great pitcher. You said he's a great pitcher. It's my money, not yours. I'm spending it. Right? Yeah, that that's the way I'm looking at. It. And if I was every owner, and I and like the, the the all the teams that want Yamamoto, and you know that Cohen is in on it. Well, how does he get outbid? Because I don't know how you find religion one year to the next. He spent like a drunken well, sailor last year. I know it didn't work out, but now you have what you believe is a much better baseball man in David Stearns than but, you had in Billy Epler. So David Stearns has been operating and creating playoff teams on a shoestring budget. There shouldn't be a budget now. There shouldn't be. So I don't. I also don't understand the Mets' thought process to like not go all in for 2024 and aim their resources toward 2025. Why? Don brought this up several times over the last couple of weeks. The Diamondbacks made the World Series. All you have to do is get in. Well, all you have to do is get in. And now you find religion with your money? I don't get it. I don't understand it. How do you get outbid for Yamamoto if he's your number one target? How? I, I I don't I don't see how you do it. I mean, la- I great. I give you want to say you were scared off by what happened last year. Well, there were extenuating circumstances. You 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 went out and signed older pitchers. In the case of Max Scherzer, you signed a pitcher that had that had a history of getting hurt as he had gotten older. And then I admired the fact that he used his financial wherewithal to get out of it. And, and and take the knee on the season to be able to get out of those bad contracts, eat the money so that he was able to then go out and get prospects. I, that I got. I understood that. Because that's part of his finances as well. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could not have eaten that money, Michael. But they did it. They made those deals. They ate a lot of money to be able to get prospects. And I really think they've been soft-shoeing 2024 just in case they don't get the things that they need. The fans aren't going crazy. But I believe you can be competitive. They've, you know, you've got Lindor long-term. You've got Alonzo for one, less, one more season. I don't see any reason why you can't compete for a wild-card spot. And if you get Yamamoto... That's going to be all the more reason why you can go out for it in 2024. So you would think you wouldn't get outbid. Now, if he doesn't want to come here, he doesn't want to come here. There's nothing you can do about it. But if he ends up signing for a few million dollars more with the Yankees or the Dodgers or someplace else, I mean, how do you explain to your fan base that you decided not to spend the extra money? Now, now let me articulate this better because maybe I'm not really nailing the, 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 the thought. If, if Yamamoto has a thing that he wants to play for the Yankees, like the Yankee brand means something to him, and Matsui being part of the recruitment means something, because Matsui is a god in Japan. 
And he's on the Yankee side. Now, he supposedly has a relationship with Senga. It's not Matsui. So if if he's going to go to the Yankees, and it doesn't matter how much the Mets bid, then I can't blame Steve Cohen. No, of course not. But if Yamamoto goes to the highest bidder, and you're not that guy, then you're not the guy we thought. You're just not. The onus is on you to outbid everybody else because that's the one advantage you have. That's the one advantage that the Yankees have always had because they had the most money. Now, they probably have the most money as a franchise, the money, the revenue that they make. But the guy who has the most money in the sport, in in sports in general, is Steve Cohen. So if Yamamoto is not dead set on becoming a Yankee, which you can't outbuy that, like you couldn't outbuy Council wanted to be closer to the Midwest, then that's shame on you. Then you're not the guy we thought. You're not Uncle Stevie, which everybody said. Because if it comes down to who's going to outbid somebody, right. like if Yamamoto ends up with the Cubs because the, the Cubs spent more money, then I'm sorry, David Stearns has too much of an influence on Cohen because he had too much of an influence on Cohen already to get rid of Buck Showalter. Made no sense to no. not have Showalter at least be here for this year. Now, as you said, there is, by going over the threshold, there is certain punishments that come with that. Like you saw the Mets drop in the draft. But so did the Yankees. Yeah. You know, so, so there's penalties even for the Yankees who, who worked with a self-imposed budget. They still dropped in the draft because of that. There's less international money to spend when you do – and we get all that. But if it's a generational talent that can change everything for you. And as far as the relationship, I don't want to get in the kid's head. I don't know him from Adam. But all right, so he loves Matsui. Matsui's a god there. If he has a relationship with Senga, he gets to be in the same rotation with the guy. I would think that have an influence rather than somebody who used to play for the Yankees. If he's got a relationship with Sanga, he can be in the rotation with him for the it, foreseeable it, future. When it comes to the conversation, Michael, about the money, who's right. got what, who's willing to spend it, does it doesn't it always still come down to the fact that if a team spends a ton of money, they're going to end up getting it back somewhere, and likely that will come through things like the fans paying for it? If they spend a lot of money and they win. Like last year, I mean, Steve Cohen probably lost $200 million. On so, the money he, they took in and then the money that he paid out. I mean, his payroll with the, the with the taxes was about half a billion dollars. But that's they're why, not going to raise... That's rate. why the Padres, no, no, I mean, the Mets aren't the Padres. The Padres couldn't support the money they were spending. I don't think the Mets' revenues could support what Steve Cohen was paying. Steve Cohen, out of his right. own pocket, ran the Mets. But see, isn't that his strength? But so see, until that, they see, build the infrastructure up to make their farm system great, which is why they hired David Stearns, you still got to spend Steve Cohen's money. Otherwise, right, what's your advantage? What's the difference between Cohen and Wilpon then? Because, you know, and this is the difference. See, people misunderstand. The Yankees are a richer organization than the Mets. They generate more money than the Mets. Right. But with Steve Cohen willing to spend his own money, he can make the Yankees into almost a small market team compared to him. Like, he, this guy is a billionaire. Like, Hal Steinbrenner is a billionaire under the pretense if he ever sold his team, he'd make $8 billion off the sale of the team. But they are self-contained. How uh, Steve Cohen's got money coming out of money coming out of money that has nothing to do with the Mets or Major League Baseball. So that that, that changes the game. Now, I don't, I don't think that's right, Michael. I, I don't like that, that there could be a guy out there that could outspend everybody else and have nothing to do with their ticket sales or their, their television revenue or anything like that. I mean, it does seem like it's unfair. I've got to be fair about that. And I do feel bad for the smaller market teams or the smaller uh, owners that can't afford to bid that way. But having been a Met fan in a major market, basically feeling like I was rooting for the Kansas City Royals for 20 years, 
you do feel that you have a distinct advantage that if he's not going to use it, Michael, then what good is it? And it's going to be interesting, too, I think, because of all the things we're talking about, and they're going to make that quote-unquote run in 25, that should be the Yankees' biggest concern when it comes to Soto. And that's why the year actually worked for the Yankees, where Soto could just fall in love with being a Yankee. But when you do, I've always said this, and I like, I like Scott Boris. I have a really good relationship with him. But if you hire Scott Boris, you're going for the last penny. Yeah, see, you're not giving discounts. You're going for the last penny. That's why you hired the the mega agent. So if Soto has a great year for the Yankees, and then Steve Cohen, like he does with Art, says I gotta have that. Any right thinking organization can't give the guy the money that Steve Cohen can because you can't generate that out of revenue. It's going to be an he, interesting summer. And you know what? If I'm Steve Cohen and I have, I get a, I get a feeling that he doesn't want to sign here. I'll offer even more money. So that that will drive the price up for whoever has to pay for him. Has got to pay more, and then you could tell your fans, "Hey, listen, I I offered the guy the the moon and the stars, and he said no." You got to make it seem like I did everything I could, and and we'll we'll see. I mean, ultimately, we'll see, Michael. We hear that they're in on it. He flew across the world to talk to him, so every indication is that he may be willing to bid. And if he doesn't come here, he just doesn't want to come here. Now, as far as Soto, I mean, do you really? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you really need to play for the Yankees to find out how cool it is to be a Yankee? Yeah, I think and you he, have to know. I, I think there's got to be a way, the, the way the organization treats the players, the first-class you know, treatment, yeah, the clubhouse, the whole deal. I, I but, think you do have to know. And you, have to, and you also have to know if you like playing under that sort of pressure to win. Well, see, that's a different story. But I'm saying I'm sure the word around Major League Baseball is, is that it's cool that the Yankees treat their players right. I mean, this is not North Dakota. You know... You should know everything you need to know, but as you said, when you hire Scott Boris, you're you're not looking to be comfortable at where you're playing. You're looking to get the most money possible. Otherwise, why 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 have Scott Boris? He, your game can speak for itself, right? You're going to get paid a ton of money, but when you hire Scott Boris, Michael, you're you're looking for top dollar. This portion of the show brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Peter, tell us in your own words all right. about FanDuel. Okay, well, the weather is getting colder. I think we could all agree with that. But the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with only, with any, I should say, winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Peter and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, 21 and over, and physically present in New York for his online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-367. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. 
Splits the eyes apart And break the frozen Ice picks Ice picks Ice picks Ice picks Kings are in Montreal to take on the Canadiens. Kings have a chance with a victory on the road to break the record for the most consecutive road wins to start a season at 11. Now, they extended it to 10 by coming back from 3-0 down on Tuesday in the third period to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm a big believer that streaks that are extended by wacky comebacks end the very next game. So I've got the Canadians at plus 180 on the money line at home to beat the Kings and end their road winning streak, and that is my ice pick. Canadians money line plus 180. You kidding me? Wow. Wow. You know, the the holidays are here. Everybody needs some extra cash. Cash. Who doesn't love getting cash? Right now, I'm going to test out one of Peter's theories right now. Mm. The 2024 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series comes to MetLife Stadium this winter for two games featuring four division rivals. Be caller number eight right now at 888-987-ESPN, and you'll win two tickets to see the Devils and Flyers face off outdoors. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. See the Flyers against the Devils on Saturday, February 17th. That's at 8 p.m. And the Rangers against the Islanders on Sunday, February 18th at 3 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at NHL.com slash Stadium Series Tickets. See, now that you just finished the read there, Right. We should we should clear the lines because you just finished the read and then it's caller eight. You see what I'm saying? I see. Okay. Let's see if you're 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 a radio genius. I've always said that. Let's go to Anthony in Michigan. Hey guys, thanks for taking the call. You um, got it. Despite yeah, despite some negativity out there, uh, the fact is that yesterday I think the schism between the fan base and the front office, which had gotten out of control over the past two seasons, is now narrowing because the Yankees showed a willingness to make the sort of deal that they weren't willing to make at the 21 or 22 deadlines. And that's good. Mm-hmm. And Soto's a great player, so that's good too. But, you know, Cashman certainly deserves a ton of credit for yesterday. So I think it's interesting to think about whether yesterday's trade is as much of an admission that the historic 21 and 22 seasons were mismanaged as much as it might be a vindication. It can kind of be both. How you look at the Padres deal with the Nats mm-hmm. and what they gave up? There's absolutely a gap there. The the Padres gave up more than the Yankees did. But when you look at it, the Yankees could have easily bridged that gap if the front office was maybe in today's mindset back then, and maybe the Yankees wouldn't have paid the price that they paid in the 21 and 22 season. I think Cashman deserves credit. He should get credit for yesterday. That's good. But it shouldn't be 100% adulation. There should be sort of a price to pay um, in his legacy for the learning curve that he's been on. You know what? That's, it's a very intelligent point, very intelligent take. Um, I guess when he was traded from the Nationals, they felt we have enough to win the way we have. And I think that 82 and 80... And the fact that over the years they've been stacking right-handed bats, not lefty bats in Yankee Stadium, they've come to realize that that was a mistake. And as Don always said, a mistake is made worse when you don't admit it and continue to double down. Right. So they've changed their 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 theory or the way to build a team. And you could see left-handed batters now in the lineup. They have a rookie catcher who's left-handed. They have Soto. They have Rizzo. Uh, they've got lefty bats now. That are going to be very, very important for them. So, uh, listen, I guess they could have gotten them, but, you know, they, they probably would have had to give up 
one of their top prospects at the time. They're of a different mindset now. So, you know, the caller made a good point, but I don't think that you'll rip them because they thought they were in a better place than they are right now. But, you know, we're not that far removed from, you know, a, a, a swearing tirade from Brian Cashman defending right. everything that he did. So I'm, I'm wondering, was is this more like a Hal thing where, you know, Brian left to his own devices probably doesn't make this deal. But maybe Hal's like, guys, we, we have to change this. This audit that came in and all that. Was all that just a smokescreen to have a conversation with Brian saying, Brian, things are going to have to change here. And was that tirade that he had at the general manager's meetings, him trying to hold on? And, and maybe Hal just said, enough. I'm sorry, Brian. The way that you want to run things has not worked. We're now going to have to change the mindset. So get to work on getting Soto. Get to work on getting Yamamoto. Let's go. Because the way you've done it over the last 15 years hasn't worked. There was also a very interesting take from somebody on social media, and I, I, I'm not going to rip it, but it, it shows the difference in the mindset of fans and guys putting together teams. So T. Diddy said hmm. about, about Soto, I'm happy to have him, but I heard him described today as a generational talent. So I looked at his stats. He's a career 284 hitter averaging around 30 home runs. Paul O'Neill did better than that. We never called him a generational talent. Bernie Williams, same story. You're not looking at OPS or OPS plus. You're not looking at war. Now, Paul O'Neill is a great player, but Soto is, when you look at those stats, which is what people build teams off of, he's generational as in through the 24-age season. He's in the top 10. I think he's ninth in OPS. And he's seventh in OPS plus, which is adjusted for stadiums and things like that. He's with names like Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. So batting average is not what people look at when they build teams. So I see the point that you're making. And Paul O'Neill, while we might not have called him a generational talent, he was a major part of four championship teams and will be part of Yankee forever. But generational he wasn't because his numbers don't stack up with the all-time greats. Soto's do. Because you're not looking at the right numbers. They don't really live and die with batting average anymore. They just don't. Well, Juan Soto, I mean, excuse me, um, Paul O'Neill's best season for war was in 98, 5.8. Yeah, he was great that year. Soto's best war, where he led the league in 2021, was 7.1. Also, 940-plus OPS, 150-plus home runs, 500-plus runs scored through the age 24 season. Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, Mickey right. Mantle, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, and Juan Soto. Those are the only players in Major League history to do that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. He's a generational talent. Well, the thing is, that he's, he's 24 years old. He's played eight years in the league. So that's well, he's going to be crazy. 25, right. He's going to be 25 years old. But, you right. know, he, he played his eighth, eighth season at 24. And he's accumulated so far in his career a war of 28 let me see. I had it here for a second. You sure he's played eight seasons? Because he's going to be a free agent after this one. You're a free agent after six years. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I counted because of I counted because of the different teams he was on in 2022. Right, right. So 2018. So one, this two, will be three, four, year. five, six. This will be his seventh season. He's played six years in Major League Baseball. And his accumulated war over that time is 28.6. Paul's entire career was 38.8. Now, I can understand fans being like, war, what does it mean? You know, what is it good for? Ha ha. 
But that's Absolutely what they look nothing. at. That, that's what they look at, Peter. And I get a fan right to the home runs, right to the batting average. That's what the old school guys do. That's what I still do. But not even but they just look war, deeper. Don. You have to look at on-base percentage plus slugging. That is their holy grail. And this guy owns that. So does Judge. Judge and Soto give you 1,000 OPS, essentially, in the two and three spots in the order. I mean, that that's going to be yeah. scary so for pitchers to navigate that. His career OPS is 946. It's unbelievable. And Paul's career OPS was 833. And nobody's knocking Paul. Paul was a heck of a player. But but here's the thing. You know, Paul is going to be looked upon. Because look at what he did in the postseason. And you won four rings with the guy. So... So he's going to be held to a different standard, and we'll see. We'll see what Soto does because you know darn well, Michael, he can have an MVP season, and if this team gets bounced into the divisional round and he's one for twenty, what do you think the fans are going to say? Oh, you know, I mean, he's got to produce. He's they're not produce. going to care about the MVP. They're not going to care about his WAR. Going to have to be able to produce. So Paul O'Neill, they're not going to want to hear about all these regular season numbers because Paul came up big in the biggest spots. Peter, please opine about better health. But what about better health? Better help. I'm sorry, and you can talk about better health too. Yeah, better. Well, better you know, health gives you be- better help. Oh, very. See, you saved me, Don. No, That's it's the other way around. Teammate- it's the other way around, uh, guys. It's Peter Rosenberg here for Better Help. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. All right, the holidays are a great time to do that. Whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season therapy helps you learn positive coping skills and set boundaries it empowers you to be the best version of yourself it isn't just for those who've experienced trauma if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule complete a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge all right in the season of giving give yourself what you need with better help visit betterhelp.com slash peter today and get 10 percent off your first month that's better com slash peter thanks for listening to the michael k show podcast hear more of michael don and peter live weekday afternoon starting at three on 98.7 espn in new york the espn app the tune in app or on your smart speaker hey alexa play 98.7 espn robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.